every woman in our industry has a story to tell. The stories are endless. And I think because this is such a male-designed or male-dominated industry that we've all been brainwashed to believe that it's not that bad, boys will be boys, this is all part of kind of our navigating success in our industry. We were all looking at each other waiting for someone to raise their hand first. And we were silent. You're listening to Femcanic Garage, the podcast that features women in the automotive and motorsports industries. A community that elevates, empowers, and evolves by smashing stereotypes and breaking down barriers for women. I'm your host, Jamie Blossman. Buckle up for the ride, Femcanics. Hey ladies, it's time to put your badass boss babe hat on. Head over to femcanic.com's resource page and create your personal listing and your business listing if you have one of those too. No cost to you at all, just shameless self-promotion. Talent recruiters for jobs, radio, and TV gigs have leveraged this page to discover talent. Come on, ladies. It's time to get your self-promotion on. Remember, femcanic.com, resource tab at the top, and click the Yes, I'm a Badass Woman. Tammy Tacklenberg is in the driver's seat today. As a visionary leader in the automotive aftermarket for over 25 years, Tammy has been instrumental in launching three companies and contributing to eight merger and acquisitions for startups. She served as the president of Women in Auto Care, a global community focused on connecting, empowering, and mentoring women. She is an active member of the Auto Care Board of Directors and Women in Automotive Board of Directors. Buckle up for this exclusive interview where Tammy discloses some information about her career for the first time ever. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Hello, Femcanics. This is Jamie B. coming to you, and I have Tammy Tacklenberg. Thank you so much for being on the show, Tammy. I am really excited to get you on the show. We actually had a conversation at a conference, Women in Auto Care. Now, you were the president of it for multiple years, correct? I was, yes. It was It was really exciting. I've been involved with that organization for 12 years now. And I volunteered early on to get onto the committees that supported the board. And I eventually worked my way up to get on a board seat. And I ran a committee that was dedicated to member development. And we launched the mentor program. So it was uh, it was a collaborative effort uh, across the committee, but it was something that we're really proud of and and still been a great pillar for that community t- uh, up until today. And I was fortunate enough to attend the conference where you actually handed the torch over. Yes, yes. It was kind of neat being able to see that. Later on that evening, we had uh, casino night, which was way fun, by the way. I had never attended one of those, and it was so much fun. So 
kudos to you and the team in putting together such an amazing event to get women together and just have a good time. That was the first time that we've ever done the dress up, right? So the theme was Roaring Twenties because it was February 2020, which feels like a lifetime ago at this point. I know. And uh, Olivia Newton, who was the incoming president or chair, came up with this great idea to do this Roaring Twenties party and the casino night, because we always are doing fundraising activities, really fun activities to raise money for our scholarship fund. And I'm thrilled to share that we have given away well over $500,000 in the last several years. Um, back when I joined Women in Auto Care, we were giving away like $5,000 a year. And now we're giving away, I think this year, they're giving away $140,000. Um, so most of that is in you know scholarships. And then we also do tools, um, toolkit giveaways to students. So it's just a really fantastic program. I know. And I attended two other conferences and there were just multiple women who said, you have to go to that conference. It's, it's great. And I made it a priority to get there. And I could not agree with them more. What a great organization. That's kind of like a fast forward. We kind of gave a sneak peek to the listeners of further down in your career. What always fascinates me is learning different women's journeys in this industry. And I'm curious, Tammy, what got you into this industry? Did you always know you wanted to be in the automotive industry? Did you stumble upon it? It was fate in so many ways. So my journey started, I graduated with an accounting degree and quickly got an offer from Deloitte & Touche at that point. So, you know, one of the big three accounting firms and I was really excited I went for the interview and I remember I had a navy blue suit on and it was a super stuffy environment. I'll never forget how my shoes sounded on the white marble floor. It was very sterile. And I interviewed with two very uh, senior men. And, you know, I said yes to the job because that's what you do. And it was a great job my gut felt really bad about it. Like I was like, Oh, I just don't fit in here. Like with my wild curls and my noisy shoes, I just felt like I didn't belong. And the next day I got a call from Prestone Antifreeze and they had just spun off from first brands, um, their parent corporation, and they were bought by private equity. They had just spun off. And so there was this group of really young, passionate people mostly men, very fun and cool. And when I went for that interview, we talk about like magical chaos. Like it was, there was something magical about these people and there was something magical about this situation and I wanted to be part of it. So I called up Deloitte and said, sorry, you know, I, I can't work with you. I'm going to work for Prestone Antifreeze and everybody in my life, my parents and everybody thought I was out of my mind. Um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. You following your gut is what it boiled down to. Yeah, I, I absolutely followed my gut. And, you know, I think we could be in any industry and selling anything. You know, my, my background is, is, is some hard parts, but primarily chemicals and automotive, obviously, um, 25 years. But 
it's all about the people that you surround yourself with, right? And and making the right choices and knowing that, you know, a culture or an environment that you want to be in. And that is beautifully put. And 25 years in the industry, and it started based on following your gut. And and I say that, and I keep emphasizing that because I, I feel as women, sometimes we don't do the best job at trusting our gut and seeing it through and following through with our gut feeling. You know, I, I definitely have a really great radar and, and a really a strong gut um, that guides me. And that's something that I've always really been true to. So I would encourage your audience to to listen to yourself, listen to your heart, listen to your gut. Follow your gut, trust it, and run with it. You started that job, and that's really how your career kicked off. Was it what you thought it was going to be? Did you ever imagine this journey, this path for yourself? Never in a million years. So... I started as a staff accountant and because we were starting up, you know, these are old, you know, uh, at the time it was just Prestone antifreeze, right? But it was, you know, a very historic American brand, a brand that I felt really proud to work for. At the time we were, you know, we had um, most of the market share, very, very successful brand. And it was growing really quickly. You know, lots of young, talented people. I was learning a lot. I was raising my hand at every opportunity. And the opportunities were endless because we were doing things like putting in new systems. And so, you know, I was in accounting, but again, following my gut and was continuing kind of to do my thing. But anytime I could do projects in other areas, I was always raising my hand to kind of get out of the box that I had put myself in through through my schooling. It's interesting you describe it that way. And, and what I mean by that is I have a conversation frequently with my children and keeping their mind open to all possibilities. And what I mean by that is when I was growing up, it wasn't a question of are you going to college? It was where are you going to college? Right. And, and I also acknowledge the fact that that's white privilege that's in there. Not everyone has that as an option. Right. For sure. And I want to acknowledge that. And at the same time, I learned that, man, I wonder if I would have continued going down that path if, you know, it was brought up to me that trade schools were an option. Like that wasn't even an option. It wasn't even talked about. So with with my children, I try to keep that open. You may not want to go to college. Because I agree with you, Tammy. I, I was kind of, you know, I went to, I started going to school for architecture. Oh, wow. And, and I loved it. But I, I ultimately found out what the majority of architects really do is design boxes. And, you know, as a, as a 18 year old, and at the time when I went to college, I was 17, you think of Frank Lloyd Wright and Gowdy and all these, you know, wow, look at everything they did. And then there's reality, <laughs> you know, there's the dream and then there's what the chances are of what you will be doing. And you you start putting yourself in a box based on 
the degree you get, and the more specialized of a degree you get, the smaller the box sometimes gets. And I, I think that's interesting. And not that it's a bad thing. Well, first of all, I learned within the first year, I learned more than I ever did in college, right? I mean, it was it was just hands-on and we were growing so quickly. And so it was really great learning at that point and was able to, you know, quickly, I was getting promoted every couple of years, you know, kind of moving up. Um, before long, I was, you know, supervising and managing people. And I love doing that. I really started to get into my groove with with managing people, um, started pulling in some of the kind of sales and marketing functions. And, you know, it's funny, because the guys who worked in sales and marketing used to always say, like, you don't belong in accounting, like, you, you know, you're someone that's more, more customer facing or more front end focused and not, um, you know, just doing all the kind of the back end analytics. And so what I ended up doing throughout my career is just continuing to take on more and more and more and build out a function that was, was really around, um, customer excellence and, and, and building that over time. And it's something that I never let anything go. I just always just kept taking on, you know, another function, you know, e-commerce came along say five years ago and said, okay, you know, that, that fits into my portfolio or category management or customer service or. So lots of different areas uh, across sales and marketing and, and elements of finance as well. We we talked about this before. You know, when I talk with my guests before we actually do the recorded interview, it's really, there's multiple reasons why I do it. But one of them is, is to try to understand and think about what direction could we take this interview. And I shared with you, with with your experience and your background, we could go a thousand different directions. So how do you narrow it down so we don't have a four hour long <laughs> podcast <laughs> episode, right? So it's it's like, man, what ultimately do we want to share with the audience? And, you know, they got a little taste of your background with the, the bio before we launched into the interview. So they, they know your background, but... There's a couple things that I think through our conversation, it makes sense to maybe for you to dive into. And you are a wealth of industry knowledge, but not just industry knowledge. You have had a focus and have you've made it a mission to really understand females, the female's place in this industry. And do you mind if we spend some time kind of going down that path and really bringing the listeners along? Because uh, it's very prudent to them, very relevant uh, as women in the industry. I would love to. That's um, that's my favorite topic. Ironically, that's my favorite topic too. <laughs> I was kind of moving along in my career and was... About 12 years ago, uh, I had a colleague suggest that I join, uh, at the time I was called the Car Care Council Women's Board. And I ended up, you know, I shared that story. I ended up running it and rebranding it to the Auto Care Association's uh, Women in Auto Care community. So it's the same. And you know, learning about our industry. So when I started in the industry, it was 2% women. And we're now at 
roughly the last catalyst uh, study was was a couple of years ago, and we're at at that time we we're at twenty eight percent women. Women evolved a ton uh, in 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 my lifetime in this industry, and what I you know I, I loved the companies and I was getting great exposure and all this stuff. But what I really didn't understand was the industry at a whole. And we're a $405 billion industry. We contribute 2% of the GDP. There are 287-ish million vehicles on the road today, right? Our, our The auto care industry employs 4.7 million people. And at 20, roughly 28%, that's 1.3 million women. Because coming up in the industry, I never really had a female role model. Lots of great, you know, bosses and great male role models, but never a like a strong female role model in my uh, area of work. There was certainly other great women at the company, but I specifically didn't have a role model. And I got to this place in my career where I realized that if I had hit the point where I needed to be that role model for the next generation, you know, we needed to stop this, this kind of not having role models for women. We needed to, to, you know, pull everybody together and create this very inclusive community that you experienced at our, at our uh, Charlotte conference where women can come together with a mission of connecting, empowering and mentoring and, you know, one of my career highlights was launching that mentor program back in 2014 with, with a lot of help, right? It wasn't all about me, but it was just something that has changed so many lives. And the stories are endless and it's, it's really special to have been part of this journey and help so many people and, and help build an organization that's really driving change. Things like we do the scholarships, right? To be able to, we know this industry has a huge technician gap. We know that women are part of the solution. Uh, we know that the dropout rate is tremendous in tech schools and and, and at the shops. Um, I'm sure you and your audience could tell me a lot more than I know about that. Except I hear the horror stories. Being able to have a scholarship fund where we're giving over a hundred thousand dollars a year out feels really good. I, I want to back up. That was a lot of information, and I want to unpack some of it and just kind of get your take on some of it. You had shared, what, about 13 years ago or so, that, and correct me to make sure I'm accurate here, about 2% of no, the No, tw 25. So when I started in the industry 25 mm -hmm. years ago, it was 2% okay, women 25 years ago. 2%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then <laughs> so I always okay. felt alone. You know, I felt gee, I wonder why. <laughs> you know, I felt very lonely. So I'm all about this sense of community now. That's huge. Now I'm curious and this is my question Tammy because you you've had a front row seat, right? And in, in watching, not only watching this evolution happen, but being a part of the change, driving the change, moving the needle. What do you think were the key contributing factors of moving the needle from two to knocking on the door of 30% now? Well, there's a few things. I think the Auto Care Association, which is the trade association, Women in Auto Care Fall, is, are, is a community under that 
the the bigger umbrella of auto care. So auto care represents this entire $405 billion industry. And they work really hard on branding, making this an industry that people would want to work in, right? The, the stereotypes of the past, you know, they really try to work on using the right marketing and the right language to attract more talent. So I think that's part of it. I think that, you know, a lot of these large companies are are naturally recruiting more women. We've put in a lot of the tools to retain because for a while I was seeing that the dropout rate was pretty high, not just you know, the shop level or the tech level at tech school and all that, you know, in, in corporations, right? You know, you'd, you'd get women to a certain level and, and then leave the industry. Yeah, I'm just processing that and that makes me sad. It makes me really sad. So we're just trying to make it a more inclusive place to be and, and uh, you know, someplace where people feel safe and people can grow and you know, all for all people. This, you know, my mission is, is no longer just about women. It's about all people. Oh, man, I'm, I'm just still processing that. That's so sad. But at the same time, based on interviewing over 80 women and a lot of hours of research, I can't blame them, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's still sad. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's, that's a tough one. And that's across the entire automotive sector. So not, this is not just an aftermarket problem. This is a, you know, total automotive problem. Right, right. You were the president for seven years? Is that right? No, I, I sat on the board for three years and then okay. I was the president for almost four years. Wow. Why did you decide to step, step down? Um, because there's term limits. So, you know, a term is three years. So Olivia Newton will be on for three years. Um, mine, there was some, I, I had to stay on a little bit longer because there was some, um, there was a lot of change going on. We had just rebranded and the association asked me to stay on a little bit longer, but mm -hmm. uh, typically it's three-year terms. So when I was president, Olivia was my vice chair and we worked hand in hand on, on everything and she was ready to rock and roll. She's doing an amazing job and I couldn't be more proud of her. I want to talk a little bit more about mentoring. We all have these preconceived notions of what mentoring is or what it's not. And you had said on multiple occasions how one of the proudest accomplishments in your career is being a catalyst and standing up the mentor program. Walk the audience through what is that? When we think about women in this industry, because that mentor program was specific to women, right? What was that program? Help us understand what that is. I think the easiest way to think about this is because there's lots of words we use right now. You know, we talk about mentors and coaches and allyship and sponsorship. So I love to say it in this way, a mentor is someone who talks to you. It's someone who has expertise in a certain area that you're interested in growing in, that you need to develop in and you need support. So they're, they're teaching you and helping you and kind of showing you the way, um, or giving you the tools for you to, you to thrive. 
um, based on their experience or education. A coach is someone who talks with you. So it's more that you're kind of hand in hand working on something together. A sponsor is someone who talks about you when you are not in the room. Um, and someone, you know, it, it could be, I'm in a boardroom and we're talking about career development and, you know, I, I really think that Jamie, you're amazing. And I want to make sure that I'm an advocate for you or a sponsor for you and, and, you know, fighting for the next promotion for you or, you know, whatever the, the situation is. It's just someone who, you know, you've really, uh, impressed in someone that is willing to stick their neck out for you because they really believe in you. So sponsors are really important. And then, you know, over the last few years, allyship and being an ally is, is something that's a very common term. And, and the easiest way to talk about that is, you know, an ally is a sponsor who is really committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion and advancement, right? Um, it's, it's someone who is, you know, we have lots of men in the industry that are allies for women, as an example. Um, so our mentor program to, to back up as was really about, we had different forms. We had, you know, a traditional mentor mentee where you would get paired up based on what your needs were and you would meet on a, you know, regular basis, whether it's every other week or once a month. And the mentee would talk to you about, here are the goals. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. And you would help them pave the way and create you know, provide the tools and the, the platform for them to get that development or achieve their dreams. And one of, I, I listened to it uh, the other day, but Jill Trotta from RepairPal, I feel like that that is going, she will resonate the, the best with your audience, right? I'm sure everyone knows Jill. She's, she's very famous. But Jill told a story on your podcast about she needed a mentor. She needed to elevate herself within her organization, within RepairPal early on. And she saw me speak on stage at a conference when we were launching the program and we're having some early successes. And she cold called me and asked me to help her. Fast forward, you know, many years later, you know, Jill and I are the best of friends. And now she coaches me and I coach her or mentors or, you know, sponsors where, where all of those things all wrapped in one. So, you know, depending on where a person is, you know, they might need a mentor. Um, we, I, the way that I am mentored is from a lot of my peers. So peer to peer mentoring is, is important to find your tribe and, and, you know, be vulnerable and, have a purpose and, and work together on, on trying to achieve your goals. I'm so glad you brought up that interview. Um, I so enjoyed interviewing Jill and I distinctly remember her talking about that mentor program and her describing, Hey, I was looking around the room. So oh, yeah. And she asked herself, who am I most uncomfortable, right? Who intimidates me the most? Not not because you're scary or anything like that, but just out of sheer respect for the person and what they have accomplished and what they've done, who am I most uncomfortable with? And, and I found that very interesting and yet so telling and great information of how to pick out a good mentor, it's who do you think would challenge you? Who is 
some someone that is already where you want to be and you just want to fast track in how to get there. You know, Jill at the time was really she she was an individual contributor. She wanted to become a manager and ultimately a director. She's now CEO of RepairPal Express and she sits on the leadership t- team for RepairPal. We have spoken at multiple conferences together. We are the most unlikely pair. And when Jill talks about, you know, I was the scariest person in the room, it's because you probably couldn't find two people that are, are more on paper or, or if you just look at our photos opposite, right? Um, I'm East Coast. She's West Coast. Um, you know, she's, she is super hands-on. She's a car enthusiast. I am not, you know, I've always had these kind of more cushy corporate jobs and we're just, we're just total opposites on the outside, but we have the same type of heart and we, we have moved mountains together. And, and that's, you know, I have gotten so much more out of that relationship, out of that mentor mentee is how we started and, and, and became such great friends. But the ultimate gift, I guess, uh, out of this relationship is she called me over the summer during COVID and said, Hey, you know, I would like her fiance, Marta and herself would like me to be their maid of honor in their wedding. And the wedding's been postponed a couple of times because of COVID, but how amazing, (laughs) you know, it's these, these stories where, you you get a cold call from someone who needs, you know, some coaching on getting a raise and you end up their maid of honor. I remember listening to you to you share that. It's so fascinating for me to you know, I I interviewed Jill. That was I think last year. And then I got to learn about you and then I got to meet you in person. And then here we are having this conversation and just like pulling it all together. And I think from a, from an audience standpoint, the key thing here is that it doesn't happen overnight, right? And it is okay to ask for help. No, it's a, it's a process. And, you know, I want the audience to know that you are not alone. 70% of women will say yes because most of us are very kind, right? 70% of women will say yes if you call or email or text or, or you know, jump them at a conference and say, hey, I, you know, I need some help. Can you have a meeting with me? And, and But the thing is, you have to be a, an accountable with what you need. Sometimes people just tap me and say, will you be my mentor? And I get that a lot. <laughs> but you need, what what do you need help with? You know, it needs to be specific. And Jill was very specific. And the other thing about Jill, she did everything we talked about. You know, she really did all the hard work and she put herself out there and she she asked for the promotions and she got them and she used the tools that I suggested that had been successful for me and my team in the past and or others that I had mentored. And, you know, it was kind of a proven formula. And and Jill just, she she did everything. She's the best. She's just the best. I couldn't love her more. Hmm. I I so enjoy that story. It's always interesting to me in going to these uh, women's conferences, uh, particularly the industry-specific ones, in that as a participant, and this is, you know, I would encourage women in the industry to go attend these. 
I know it's not always the easiest because you have to take time off work and there's costs involved. And the reality is, is your shop may not pay for it. The community and connection on top of the learning you get, I can't even put a price tag on it. I I really can't. You can't get it any other way. You just can't. And, And it's such a powerful thing. But what I'm getting to is, as a participant at those events, you're sitting there and you see people on stage presenting. And Tammy, like I said, that's, you know, that particular event is when you handed the torch over, right? And I'm a participant, the first time attending this conference, Mm -hmm. observing this happening on stage. And I guess kind of to piggyback off of what you're saying, Tammy, is the answer is always no 100% of the time if you never ask, right? And here I am interviewing you. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? No, it was about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, that I was in the audience observing you on stage. And here you are on the Femcanic Garage podcast, sharing awesome knowledge bombs with the audience, but you have to ask. And I, I think that's really important for us women to do is to ask. And know that 70% will say yes. I will take those odds any day. 70% of women will say yes, right? So yes, they should not be afraid to ask. And that that's the cool thing about women in auto care. Everyone leaves their company name and their badge and their titles and their ego at yep. the door. And when you get in those conferences, whether they're virtual, like we've got a virtual conference coming up next week, whether it's the book club, you know, for your listeners, a way to get involved is join the, the every month we do a book club and it's it's basically a Zoom meeting. It's super easy and it's it's open for all members of Auto Care. You know, I would suggest that any of these shops, it's very inexpensive to be a member of Auto Care and then all the women in Auto Care uh, perks of of being part of this community come with it, including the mentor program. Uh, but it's it's a very inclusive environment and everyone is just focused in that room about lifting each other up. Yeah, it really is. It really is. You know, I'm I'm sitting here just kind of processing your career. And quite honestly, Tammy, your your career or resume reads like sizzle reel. And it's understandable why people would be intimidated. You described being in a lot of cushy jobs, <laughs> the corporate cushy jobs, right? <laughs> and not so cushy. But, but. And, and that's interesting that you say that. And that's kind of the where I want to level set here. And what I really like to do is help people see how we are all more alike than different. And what I mean by that is, is a lot of the same challenges that women face in shops. And, you know, we'll, we'll mention Jill, right? You said both Jill and yourself are kind of opposite in many senses, right? She would get in there, got the ASE certification, was in there getting her hands dirty, literally. And the path that you mm-hmm. took is you started down accounting and it kind of, your journey took all these twists and turns that you followed and it was different. It was more the, the corporate direction. But that doesn't mean the challenges that women are facing 
collectively in the automotive industry is any different. And I have heard stories from women that bring me to tears of the experiences that they have had to endure in this industry that we love. And it's so challenging to navigate is that it is not unique to shops. And you are a strong, powerful, confident woman in this industry. We had talked a little bit about it before this. We explored and you brought it up to me and you gave me permission to bring this up. But you have experienced sexual harassment as well in that it's not unique to shops. And quite honestly, it's not unique to the automotive industry either. But I think it's important for women, especially young women coming up in this industry. I've interviewed women where they're in their 40s and they're like, man, in my 20s, I did not have the confidence to stand up for myself or fill in the blank. I want to kind of go down that path to help people and help women understand that, hey, it happens to the best of us. And even if you see a woman and you say, wow, she's strong, she's confident, that doesn't mean that a strong, confident woman still doesn't face these challenges. I think the question that I have for you is, is if you could share a little bit about your experience around sexual harassment and ultimately what insight feedback, lessons learned, or how to handle situations that you've learned through your personal experiences? This is a question that I have been avoiding for at least 15 years. So my tongue has always been tied by corporate America, and I am now finally free and able to be my authentic self and speak my truth. I'm big on metrics and facts and data, right? So I want to share that, you know, based on an automotive survey, again, automotive sector, I I don't want to say this is just the aftermarket, it's all of automotive, right? That women in our industry report higher levels of bias and sexual harassment than other industries like the tech industry as an example. So 65% have experienced being tasked with lower level assignments compared to them, their male peers. 65% have experienced unwanted sexual advances. 25% experience feeling unsafe at work. So I can share that every woman in my inner circle in our industry, and for those of you that know me, I'm all about this sense of community. So my circle is really, really large. Every one of those women has a story to tell and has experienced various forms of sexual harassment, sexual assault, bullying. The stories are endless. And when the world was going through the Me Too movement, you know, the hashtag Me Too movement, you know, we were all looking at each other waiting for someone to raise their hand first. And we were silent. And I think because this is such a male-designed or male-dominated industry that we've all been brainwashed to believe that it's not that bad, boys will be boys, this is all part of kind of our navigating success in our industry, right? And my kind of temperature gauge or, or my personal assessment changed a lot when I view 
a lot of this through my husband's eyes. So my husband, Tom Tecklenburg, has spent well over 30 years in our industry and, and, and loves it, has been very successful. And when I share with him, and I can't share all the stories with him because sometimes I'm sworn to secrecy with my friends, but when I share with him the intimate details of what my friends or myself has have experienced, he is absolutely horrified. Early in my career, I want to be crystal clear. Early in my career, I was really blessed. You know, I grew up in a very safe environment. I talked about those, you know, that great team, amazing leaders. It was, it was like a big family. And I worked with really great men who are really, really respectful for me. 25 years later, they're still in my life and the mutual respect and love and appreciation for them and the impact that they have, have had on my career is endless. For me, it was as our companies evolved and grew, and you'll see from my bio, there was there was multiple mergers and acquisitions, and you bring in new cultures and new environments and new people are introduced into the mix. And about 15 years ago, I experienced my first kind of notable incident, and it was in a Fortune 100 boardroom. And I'm sharing that with your listeners because it doesn't just happen at the shops. It happens to all of us. And when you look at those statistics, it's horrifying. And for me, I feel like I had the opposite. Uh, As my career progressed, it got worse. You know, I was a woman. I was young. I was winning. I did things differently. I was a natural born leader. And that really threatened people. There were... Times where um, I was, all of those things that, it, you know, we've all experienced, you know, I dealt with all of them and I suffered in silence. And I did that like all my industry friends, because I believed if I spoke out, I would be that girl. I would be the one with the tarnished reputation that I worked so hard to build and kind of claw my way to the top of this industry. And we don't have to get like detailed, detailed, Tammy. But sometimes I feel like there's this notion of the shop, is, you know, they're really crude and white collar world. It's not the same. Mm. Again, I'm not looking for specifics, but I, I think just to help the listener and the women out there understand no, it it is just as bad. It's just as bad. They just have a suit on. So can you give me an example? It's words. It's actions. It's getting your ass grabbed. It's things like inappropriate comments. And ugh, I, I just, I, I, I am so, uh, that is so in my past that I don't even, I don't even let it enter into my mind. You know, I, I, I look at my friends and it's, you know, it's assaults and it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I'm just curious, Tammy, when, when you're like sitting here and I heard you pause and it's almost like you, you went back to that moment for, for just a second. What do you feel when you think about your personal experience going through that when you say you suffered in silence? What is that like revisiting that for you? For me, I now know that I always had the power. You know, it's like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. I always had the power. I just should have used it. 
going through this, I wish that I would have been more vocal all the way through. I look at it as this is all part of the journey. We've all been through it. And for me, you know, your listeners have probably seen me on the cover of magazines or on stages and trying to develop the next generation of leaders and being super positive and a motivational speaker and all this stuff. But what I what I need to share is, yep, hashtag me too. And, and it makes them feel at the shop level not so alone. I'm going to ask a couple of questions here. Did you feel alone? Yeah, because I, I just, I just kept on moving, stayed really positive and didn't let it affect me. And I just, but did it, I mean, you said didn't let it affect you. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to get to is, yes, you have been on magazines. You are on these stages. Part of me, to be honest, Tammy, I, I want to hear you say that there was a moment where I felt defeated and alone because I want to feel normal. Do you know what I mean? There's this strong, powerful, confident woman that I respect and look up to. And I just want to know that I have hope that I can get there too. Well, it sucks, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I do for sure. I always, I always could see really clearly the reason why I was being attacked. And it came from insecurity from other people, right? So I, I always was able to justify it in my own mind that it's not about me, it's about them. And that's what, you know, it's not something I was asking for. I'm always super professional in the business world. Like I, it wasn't me, it was them. And I, I think my husband has helped me a lot over the years too see that it was really wrong. And and I think the more time that goes by, and now in today's world, this stuff that was happening to me, this journey for me is I've taken all this bad and it's really inspired me to do what I've done in women in auto care and, and you know, by lack of female role models and all this kind of stuff and the sexual harassment and, and bullying and sexual assault. For me, it, it brought me to this place where I'm now a catalyst and a change agent for diversity, equity, inclusion for women in our industry. And and I, I feel like it was bad and I suffered for a long time in silence, but now I'm able to use all that negative energy to do something really positive. When you said your husband helped you, can you share like kind of in what ways? I think by just hearing him, because he's one of the guys and, you know, he's, he's got a great, amazing network. He's really well known in our industry and really well respected. And he's super respectful of women. You know, my tribe really looks up to him and loves him. And he's, he's great with all of them and coaching and being a friend and an ally. And he's, he's just very supportive of a, a lot of the women that surround me and, he is very clear on what's acceptable and what's not. And it's not just because I'm his wife, right? It's because he sees what my friends or colleagues are going through. And he, he's just like, Tammy, this is not right. You know, it's just not right. Like he gets so angry. He, he gets way more angry than I do. And he's a pretty laid back guy. Well, and I was going to ask that because I'm sitting there thinking, if my spouse experienced sexual harassment... I would be pretty pissed off. Like, <laughs> like, 
Yeah. And I think it's about, you know, choosing your culture. We can't always run away. As you grow and evolve and realize your value and the type of people that you want to work with and the type of environment that you want to be in, you know, again, use that gut. You know who the good guys are. The, the crazy thing is 99% of the men in this industry are fantastic. Like I, I have so many wonderful friends and I sit on the board of the Auto Care Association and with a great team of men, the board's amazing. The leaders at Auto Care are amazing. Like there's so much more good than bad. But when you look at those statistics around 65% of women have had unwanted sexual advancements in in the automotive sector, like that's nuts. It is. All I can say is that I am glad that you have turned that into fuel to be a change agent. What ultimately made you decide to go ahead and share this now? Why now? Why not 10 years ago or five years ago? Because I worked for large corporations my whole career and was a representative of those companies. And there was there was much more good than bad at those companies. And I had so much respect for the people that I worked for, the you know, the the men that I worked for um over the years. And it was not the time then, right? It's it's a conversation that people are having now. It's something that you 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 caught me on a good day. I have avoided this. Every interview that I've done in the last 15 years, I get asked this question and I changed the subject. And I, I trust you, Jamie, and I know that you'd handle it in a respectful way and not push me to share stuff that I'm not comfortable sharing. You know, I, I think that's part of it too. Like, I feel like this is a safe place, but I just said, I think it's important. I think I need to talk the talk, right? Or walk the talk, right? I, you know, I can't be out there and be a catalyst for, for women in our industry and, and hiding things like this. Like, I think I need to, to show this is authentically me. Like I, I, I have the, I have the, the scars as well, right? Was there part of you that wanted to share it, but you were scared? I wasn't, scared. I didn't want it to tarnish my reputation. I didn't want it to be my story. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be, but you know, the, the older I get, the more I realize it's everybody's story. It is. It's every single one of my friends, every single one of them. And, and that's what, you know, that's why I'm speaking out, right? Because it's it's just not right. And we need to be better. We need to be better at, at all levels and all channels within our industry. Looking back on it, Tammy, do you think it would have tarnished your reputation? No. <laughs> you know, that's the silly part. No, because my reputation has always been so awesome. And I I don't think it would have. But it was just, you know, it's not something that I wanted tied to me. It was just, it's negative. You know, I've always been a really positive person and I've always tried to even, even when our businesses were going through rough times, I was always, you know, try to keep things positive and just focus on 
my team and, and just lifting everyone else up around me. And I, I, you know, I got into a habit of kind of putting myself last and now I'm really putting myself first. I'm doing work that I love with people that I love for causes that I love. And it's, it feels amazing. I love what you're saying. And I just want to tell you how much I respect your willingness to share. Because no matter where anyone is at in their journey, it is never easy to share stuff like this. It's, it's just not. And it takes a lot of courage to do it. Because everyone has an opinion, right? There's just, there's no way around it. And I respect you being willing to share this. If you are face-to-face, you're a mentor, and a woman comes up to you, and like you said earlier, be specific. You know, don't just come up and say, will you mentor me? And they shared with you that they were being sexually harassed. So here's, here's Tammy the coach, or Tammy the mentor. Confront your bully, speak your truth, tell, tell him or her that this is not acceptable behavior, and you have the power, right? There's a reason why these people are coming after you because there's something that you're doing that's threatening to them. That's my humble view of the world, but you know, that's the theme that I hear over and over and over again. It's, it's a theme about making sure that when we get too powerful, we need to be put into our place, right? You have the power, just use it. And it, and if you see something, you know, at the shop level, if you see something, say something, mm-hmm. you know, for the men that you have lots of male listeners, don't let your colleagues suffer in silence. You know what's going on in the office, right? Or I mean, in the shop, like do something about it. Now, when I hear you say that, Tammy, it's like, yeah, that sounds simple. What would you recommend the listener do to muster up the courage to do that. Now, it's one of those things that's simple, but not easy. I think it needs to be real time. You know, you're at the shop and you you get your ass grabbed, right? And you turn around and say, hey, dude, that is not cool. This is not appropriate behavior. Would you want someone treating your daughter like that? You know, th- this is not cool. You're not saying, oh, I'm going to go, you know, squeal to the you know, the shop owner, or I'm going to call HR, or you're just saying, hey, bully, beat it. Stand your ground. Yep. I like that. It's simple. Sometimes we tend to overcomplicate things, and sometimes keeping it simple makes it more doable. And I think this, you know, real time versus waiting a week and then going back and saying, hey, buddy, when you grab my ass, I really didn't like that. You know, it's just, it needs, I think it needs to be on the fly. Like you need to be armed and ready at all times for when you're attacked to, to speak out. And, you know, and I'm, I'm practicing what I'm preaching on that very small ways now, right? Where I'm in meetings, wildly inappropriate stuff comes up and I'm like, guys, come on. I know I'm the only woman. I'm super tough. I, I'm not personally offended by it, but just so you know, this would not fly in a larger corporation. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like, so, so. And we laugh about it, 
I always believe in trying to, to, to maintain a sense of humor, but I think the majority of people want to be better and want to do better, especially in this day and time. I agree. And and I think that we need to be part of the solution and not just part of the problem. Like we need to we need to help. We need to help our colleagues to sit, to be able to set boundaries and say what's right and what's wrong and what's acceptable and what's not. I agree with you, Tammy. And I also think men play a big part in this. And and what I mean by that is speaking up. Silence says a lot. Being an ally, yes. right? So being an ally could be helping support, you know, women in auto care. And it could also mean you're going to support someone who's suffering in silence in your organization and you recognize what's going on and, and you help him or her through it. Yes. That's the other thing about finding your tribe. You've mentioned it like your tribe multiple times. When you come across situations like this, that your tribe helps support you. I want to address something where you said, I didn't want that tied to my reputation. And I, I just want to give you an opportunity to process that because I don't want the listener to think that it's it's their fault or it's tied to them because we didn't ask for this. Yes, that was a ter that was a terrible way for me to think. But I was younger and I wasn't as I think that I was I think I had an awesome reputation, but it wasn't as big as it is now. Like now I'm really confident in who I am, what I'm doing in this industry, and what my purpose is. Maybe I wasn't quite there yet. Maybe I was just coming into my own at that point and didn't feel comfortable going through all of that nonsense. And it is nonsense. It's frustrating nonsense that, unfortunately, a lot of women in the industry have to endure and figure out how to navigate. And it's not easy. The difference for me is the first time it happened, I was working for a Fortune 100 company with 130,000 employees, right? And so there'd be investigations. And I mean, the, the legal drama around even trying to blow the whistle on something like this was just too ridiculous to even consider, right? So it, it's stuff like that where the system makes it a little bit difficult. If you're in a smaller shop community, it'd be a lot faster to, to you know, get to the, to the problem and get it out. Yeah. And they both have their challenges, different challenges. The person that may be sexually harassing you is the owner or boss. So who do you go to <laughs> yes, then? exactly. Right? Talk right. about suffering right. in silence, right? And if you live in a small town. I can't even imagine. Sometimes it's the only shop in town, right? Yeah. And there's nowhere to go. I have not met your husband. Kudos to him for helping you navigate through this. It sounds like he's been an inspiration to a lot of other women in the industry as well through a space of validation and understanding, also helping them build their confidence to just simply say, no more. Yeah. <laughs> He's always like, this is not okay. This is not okay. And, and he's right. And he's right. I think that's what's inspiring me to, to answer your questions, honestly, for the first time ever. Good. Good for you. It has to be said that whenever air quotes you, listener, everyone, decide 
to step into the scary unknown and your authentic self is that it's still a journey. You may get to a point where the Band-Aid gets ripped off again, so to speak, and you feel intensely, or maybe you buried it to get by. Just give yourself grace to feel what you're going to feel. Oftentimes I hear people say, well, don't feel this. Mm-hmm. No, feel it. Feel it. That That is the the power of being a female is our connection to our emotion. And I struggled with it for the longest time, Tammy, and, and you and I are the same on that. I, I always try to be positive and I'll push things down. And at some point in our journey, we just have to breathe it in and step into it. And the best thing is to give yourself grace and allow yourself the space to feel it. Thank you for being courageous and trusting me. What I refer to as my interviews is a dance between me and my guest and leading you through it. It's it's your journey. It's your story. And I'm, I'm flattered that you trusted me to share this. So thank you. I appreciate it. It's been one hell of a tango with you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to launch into the red line round. So it gives folks an opportunity to learn even more about Tammy. Are you ready to launch into the red line round? Sure. What the red line round is, just five rapid fire questions. There's no right or wrong answer to it. Uh, It's just whatever pops into your head is the right answer. Who or what has been your inspiration throughout your journey in the industry? Okay, this might sound crazy because I... I'm a super humble person, but I have to say me, because I was paving a path, all of the work with women in auto care, I was holding myself accountable and creating my own goals and objectives and really reaching and and had a commitment to lift as I climb, as we say. I now have this tremendous peer group or tribe that I, I talk about a lot and my husband, but early on it was it was me. One of my all-time favorite answers to that question, by the way. It felt so weird to say that. <laughs> no, no. And, and I'll tell you why I love that answer so much, Tammy. And I think as women, we need to hear this. As women in our society, we are taught to put ourselves last. We are taught to not be too loud. And I think you said it earlier in the interview, you know, kind of put us in our place, so to speak. What I love about your answer is that you were graceful about it and you were unapologetic about being proud of yourself and loving yourself. And that does not equal conceit. That's what we need to do more of as women as a whole, is know that it's okay to love ourselves and to lift ourselves up and to put ourselves first. Because if we take the time to fill our own cup, now it overflows so we can be more for others. I love the answer. Good. Number two, where do you go or what resources do you use when you want to learn something new or you get stuck? Planning all of the conferences with Women in Auto Care, I think I did like 14 conferences. We've had really inspiring speakers and authors, and I love to follow them and listen to their podcasts. And I recently did a masterclass with Judy Holler, who is the author of Fear is My Homeboy. And she recently 
uh, launched a, a goal-focused planner called the Vibe and Thrive Planner. You can find it on Amazon for like 25 bucks. It's, it's game-changing. But things like that where I'm always trying to learn and grow and, and follow really inspirational people. I do a lot of Audible. Um, I live on a lake in Connecticut and love to take walks. And I usually, you know, have my earbuds in and listening to books as I walk. Um, it's very peaceful for me. I've recently been hopping out on Clubhouse. I got invited to be a speaker out on Clubhouse uh, for that room was called like automotive giants, which is kind of cra- crazy, but the, there's lots of automotive themes rooms. There's inspirational speakers. You can find all the authors out there that clubhouse, if you haven't checked it out, or if your listeners haven't checked it out, it's pretty incredible. The other resource that I use is LinkedIn has a really great training platform for premium members where, you know, you can um, get training on any topic you, you know, like uh, I just went through a diversity, equity, inclusion training. I'm just processing through some of the things. I'm going to back up one and unpack a couple of those. The book that you had mentioned by, is it Judy, Judy Holler? Yes. J-U-D-I-H-O-L-L-E-R, Judy Holler. What is that resource? What is it? cover like what type of topic her book and she was a speaker at women in auto care back in detroit a couple years ago the her book is called fear is my homeboy and it's kind of a funny title but judy is all about fear experiments and this is this is really powerful for your listeners because she inspires you every day to say yes to things that make you uncomfortable say no to things that are non-value added right? Just a lot of women just do things out of guilt, do fear experiments. I guess sharing my, some of my, the, the not pretty part of my journey with you tonight is it was a fear experiment. I, I was right? just going to ask. Thing, I'm like, give me an example. I'm like, well, things, tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're looking at it, but yeah. So it's, you know, I've been doing more of those and, and fun things like I'm taking up tennis or, you know, I did a vision board and, and really got raw and real on what I wanted to accomplish and who I want to be and what it's going to look like and smell like and feel like and what kind of colors are in my life and, you know, being really specific. Doing a vision board is something that's really fun. I hadn't done one since like high school and it was great. I'm actually sharing it and I'm a speaker at the Women in Auto Care Conference next week, the virtual conference. And it's, um, the topic is goal-focused planning. And, and I'm giving a sneak peek into what my goals are. Um, one of the other things that Judy has you do is uh, inspirational kind of power statements every morning. So they're I am power statements. So I am a champion for diversity, equity, inclusion. I am a catalyst for change in the auto care industry. I am healthy and strong. I am loved. I am a great mentor. I, you know, it's, it's things like that. It's things that you are and things that you want to be. I love it. Love it. I love that stuff. Follow her on Instagram, follow her on Facebook. She's amazing. And then she just hooked us up with one of her podcasts. She introduced an author who just launched her book today. I'll give her a shout out, but it's Jessica Zwelg. Mm -hmm. And her book is called B. So B E period. And she sold 14,000 books before launch, launching today. 
And so I, I bought a bunch of them and put them in the Women in Auto Care Scholarship Auction. And uh, we're doing some masterclass sessions with her as well. And her book is all around personal branding and being your authentic self and, you know, sharing that with the world and, you know, finding your, your why and your mission and all that good stuff. So we're really excited to dive into that one as well. The Clubhouse, is that like video or opposed to like Audible, which is book or is it training? Clubhouse is a new platform and it's, I'm probably using, it's in beta right now. So you need somebody who's in the club to invite you. There are these kind of chat rooms of different topics. And I get a text, you know, like every day at 11 o'clock, you know, Judy Huller and Jessica Zwelg and some of these other authors that I follow are doing, you know, different, um, they'll speak for about an hour about their books or about all these different topics. Like everything you can imagine is in Clubhouse. And anybody can get on. There's no camera. So, you know, I do it while I'm going for my, you know, a walk or or doing other meetings or working or whatever. I listen to it them in the background. And then they can call you up if you raise your hand to like ask questions. So, you know, you're getting one-on-one exposure to all these amazing, talented, inspirational people in Clubhouse. There's, you know, celebrities and actors and authors and all kinds of people are out there and, and it's really taking off. They're saying it's like the new, it's kind of like all social tied up in one. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's the first time I've heard of it. That is super fascinating. So is it just like clubhouse.com if the listeners want to check it out? It's, it's an app that I downloaded. Got it. Someone sent me an invite and I'll, t- I'm going to make a note. I'm going to try to send you an invite so you can check it out because I can see you getting Femcanic Garage out there in a, in a collaborative way to be able to be out there, you know, once a week or once a month to, to build your community. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much, Tammy. Tammy, what excites you most about what you do? I feel like there's this greater force that's pushing me to be this catalyst for change in our industry. And I feel that purpose with all my heart. And so that that is something that I'm really excited about, right? I feel like this, this I am here now for a reason. And all of these all of this journey and all of these experiences, the good and the bad has all brought me to this place and, I, and I'm here and I'm making a difference. And that feels amazing. And then the other thing that I'm excited about is I really love building companies and brands and people. And I'm doing that in a pretty major way with a startup that uh, we're building and it's growing really quickly. And it's in the kind of, we're fighting COVID, right? It's in the um, disinfection space, bringing it into the aftermarket has been really rewarding, you know, bringing solutions to people that I care about, whether it's through mentoring or, you know, through DEI or through, you know, bringing shop solutions, um, you know, through the work that I'm doing with Germinator. So some very cool things, like I've been pretty pepped up lately on on what I'm working on. What is a personal habit or practice that has helped you significantly in the industry when you feel stuck, unsupported, or discouraged? A personal habit. 
I always have a sense of humor. We kind of touched on that earlier. Even when things are really bad, I can I can pull myself out of it and, and find a reason to smile still or, or find something to laugh about. Um, the other for me is I never give up. Like I'm really, I'm a hustler, right? And and I love to say that hustle and heart will set you apart. You know, that is that is one of my mantras for sure. But I never give up. I'm totally stealing that, Tammy. I love it. <laughs> when I, it was funny what when I was going to campaign to be president of women on auto care, that was my tagline. Uh huh. And nobody ended up running against me, which I was really bummed out about because I was. How could was you run wearing... against you with a tagline like that, Jimmy? <laughs> I was I was really like ready to go, it. and it, it sort of fizzled out, and I just got the job. That's funny. Yeah, that that is a great tagline. And finally, what is your parting advice to other femcanics finding their way in this industry? I think it's so important. It, it was so important for me growing up in this industry to finally feel like you're not alone. Go out and find a mentor a sponsor, a coach, uh, whatever we call it, right? Just find your tribe. Learn about the industry that you're in and you're working so hard in every day. Join auto care. Join women in auto care. Join these communities that really show you what this $405 billion industry is all about. And it gives you a greater sense of purpose and it makes you feel proud to be part of this industry. And that is so true because the more I learn about the industry and the people in it, the more I fall in love with it and, and want to continue being a catalyst for change. There's just so, so, so much good than bad. And there is, you know, the other, the other things are setting goals. You know, I talked a little bit about goal focused planning, but a goal without a plan is just a dream right? So you need to, you need to put a roadmap together. You wouldn't build a house without a foundation. I think goal setting is a really important thing for your, your audience to consider. Where and how can people connect with you, Tammy? On social, uh, I'm out on LinkedIn. Uh, my email is Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y at TechlinbergAdvisors.com. So reach out to me, never hesitate to reach out if there's something that I said that resonates with you, if there's something that I can help you with, if you want more information on women in auto care. It's part of my purpose and it brings me so much joy to connect people in this industry. So don't, don't feel shy and don't hesitate to, to ask. We, we, we started with that, right? Let's end with that. Tammy, thank you so much for being in the driver's seat today and really letting us in your world, and more importantly, a, an even more authentic your world, and uh, in, in trusting me and our audience with you stepping into your fear, making fear your homeboy. You just made fear your homeboy today. <laughs> sure did. That's a mic drop, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate you and all you do. And I, I'm really honored to be here tonight. Tammy Tecklenburg, principal of Tecklenburg Advisors, and I'm a femcanic. The women of Star Car and Mako are being featured next week. Be sure to tune in as we talk shop and they share about their experiences in the industry. Until next time, femcanics.
Thanks for listening to the Femcanic Garage Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Femcanic Garage. Check out our website, femcanicgarage.com, for swag and the transcribes for each episode. If you want to help grow this community, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, review, and most importantly, share this podcast. Spread the word. This is Jamie B. signing off. Are you a femcanic?